Catch Me Outside listeners, this episode is for all you casual backpackers and weekend warriors who are thinking of moving into the world of long-distance hiking. There are lots of people each year who complete long-distance hikes with zero prior backpacking experience. They start with little to no practical backpacking knowledge, uh, but with a clean slate, so to speak. Then there are people who hone their backpacking skills and test their gear on shorter trips in the backcountry first, and then take on a long-distance trail. In 2020, today's guest did just that. Before she hiked more than half of the Pacific Crest Trail that year, Jessica Rochelle, aka Frosty, gained years of backpacking experience on shorter trails in Canada. She had ingrained habits and favorite pieces of gear. What she soon learned on the PCT was that there are differences between backpacking and long-distance hiking, physically, mentally, and in terms of gear needs. On the trail, some old habits and cherished gear gave way to new ways of doing things and lighter gear. Some things stayed the same. Since 2020, Jessica has applied many of the lessons she learned on the PCT during subsequent hikes in Canada. On today's episode, Jessica will talk about the expectations she had going into the PCT, the new skills she developed on the trail, and the habits she picked up from other long-distance hikers. By the way, I quietly launched the Catch Me Outside Patreon page over Instagram last week, and I'm happy to say thank you to my first subscribers. Anyone who subscribes, regardless of the commitment level, will receive a handwritten thank you note on a custom postcard featuring an original photo of an outdoor adventure destination in Canada. All of the photos were taken by either my partner Ian, who's been on the show, or by me. Those files are going to the printer today, so the cards should be ready by Friday, and I cannot wait to get them out to you. Anyway, I'm Megan Dallaire, this is Catch Me Outside, and without further delay, let's get to it. Okay, well, um, yeah, really glad you're on the show today. So you you reached out to me right before your East Coast Trail hike, um, yes. which was what inspired me to do that episode. Although I, the timing worked out that I I did it before I think before your hike. But um, since I didn't get to interview you on the episode about the East Coast Trail, how was your hike? Can you tell me about it? Like, what were some of the the highlights, lowlights, overview? Yeah, it was great. It was so much fun. Uh, first of all, I've never been to the East Coast of Canada, so or I haven't been to the East Coast of North America at all. Um, yeah. So it was really cool just to have kind of that drastic change. And in the beginning of the summer, I had done the Sunshine Coast Trail. So now mm. going over there and doing the East Coast Trail, it was really cool to have like those coastal contrasts. But yeah, the unfortunate thing when I was there was that there was a heat wave. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So like the first day when I started, I think the Humidex was in like the 30, high 30s, like 38s or something. So, And I was actually expecting like 18 degrees and rainy. And they're like, that's normally what it's like over here. So um, yeah. And like the thing was that even the winds wasn't wasn't cool. It was all warm inland winds. So that was pretty challenging. I think on my third or fourth day, I got really sick, got some like heat exhaustion and stuff like that. So that I would say was the lowest part of the trail (laughs) was, um, yeah, just being sick while trying to hike. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it was kind of brutal, but the humidity will really get you. It's so hard. Like I hike, 
I've hiked in like really hot weather where the sun is just beating down on you, like in the desert and stuff like that, right? The sun is just beating down on you and it's hot and you always want water and you've just got this like thirst. But when it's humid, you, you don't even want to eat. You don't want any water. You just, you just want to throw up. (laughs) Yeah. You can't like regulate your body temperature. You can't, the air is so saturated. Like your sweat doesn't evaporate and you just die. Yeah. And like figuratively, <laughs> everything smells worse. Like when that humidity's out, because mm-hmm. you know, at least if it's dry heat, like you're, you know, it's your your sweat is like wicking away and drying. But like you just have these clothing, they're soaking wet, and they don't dry because there's so much moisture in the air. Yeah. And even though it's thirty degrees outside, your clothes are sopping wet, and they just smell. No, it's just not good. Yeah, it's it's awful. It's awful. Okay, so so um, it must have gotten better from there, though. <laughs> yeah, totally. So um, the heat the heat was hard to combat, but there were some like cool days, and um, I mean the views along along the hike are just absolutely amazing. They make it all worth it. Um, yeah, you just like right along the coast, like right on the cliffs, and you can see the ocean, and there's no end to it because there's no land there. Yeah. Um, yeah, in like my first five days, I saw about 150 whales. It was Whoa! insane. Wow. Yeah, obviously they're like little specks like out to the side that you just yeah. see and hear breaching, right? But just to see so many of them and hear so many of them was wild. Like I came around this corner and it was the day I actually had heat stroke and I was not feeling very good, but it started to rain in the evening. So I had stopped in town, like the trail, sorry, the trail stops and goes through a whole bunch of little towns along the way. And the road walks through these towns are actually considered part of the kilometers of the trail. Oh, nice. So yeah. So I hiked off the trail into this little town. There was a convenience store. I stopped there to get some resupplies and to get cold drinks and just to like be in air conditioning for a minute. (laughs) And I ended up running into two southbound hikers and they were the first people I had met on the trail. So I was very excited. (laughs) Um, So I chatted with them for like two hours, had cold drinks, had food, got in the air conditioning, felt so good. And then realized it's pouring rain outside. So I was like, this is a nice change. So what the store owner actually drove me to the trailhead um, so I could start my hike. And now it's evening. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hike until I find a camp spot. And then I'm going to stop for the day because I'm exhausted. And like that took a lot out of me just being sick all day. Yeah. So I get onto the trail. I hike maybe a kilometer and I just hear a whole bunch of whales breaching. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to find like a lookout. I need to find a lookout because I was kind of in the forest at the time. And I get to this lookout and there, I kid you not, are about 50 whales. And it's just like one breaches, another one breaches, fins, tails, like one jumps. Like it was crazy. So I don't know if the rain like brought something to the surface or whatever and all the whales came to the surface to feed or if I just lucked out and that bay just like happens to like have things that they like to eat in it. Wow. But it was such a good way to end such a crappy day. Oh my god. Yeah, well yeah, heat exhaustion is no joke. And um Yeah. What what kind of whales are we talking about here? You know, I'm not really sure. Um, like they weren't orcas, but mm. if I had to guess they'd be like humpbacks or gray whales. Whoa, cool. Um but 
I'm not 100% sure. I know that out of like the, I think there's like 33 species of whales or something like that. They have like in the high 20s of them in Newfoundland that you can spot at certain times of the year. Yeah, yeah. But they were were big whales. Yeah, they were big guys. So they had like, they had like the white underneath their fins. So when they like would lift their fin out or their tails, they were white underneath. So that's why my friend and I were kind of looking and we're like, okay, we were looking at my videos and he's like, I think this one's a humpback. I think this one might be a gray whale. I was like, okay. (laughs) But yeah, they were, it was really cool though. So uh, that was like a really cool thing to end a really crappy day so after that I was like okay I took like my 15 minutes of videos and watched them and did my thing and I was getting eaten Mm -hmm. alive by mosquitoes so (laughs) it was like time to set up tents and go to bed but yeah yeah, it was pretty cool that sounds so magical I can't believe I'm I'm like really impressed that you did both of those trails in one in one summer because that's like well and well and actually you you did the um, the, like you hiked most of the Sunshine Coast Trail in like, what was it? Like four or five days? Yeah, I think Crazy. I got off on my f- fifth day, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Um, That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was my fifth day or my fourth day. So my first night I hiked 30K to one of the huts I can't actually remember the name of the hut but it was by a lake and then the next day Mm. I hiked to Anthony Island um just off of Inland Lake and then I went up to Tin Hat and then yeah I guess that was it because then the next day I went up and over Walt Hill and then down to whatever the next lake was and I I haven't re-looked at my notes but then I got off there and I was supposed to spend one more night on the trail and get off the next day but I had rolled my ankle, unfortunately. So I just decided yeah. to, because I was by myself and there was still snow in the high areas because wow. it was in June. Um, so yeah, I had decided to just kind of like call it quits and I didn't want to risk being alone in the snow with a rolled ankle <laughs> on like the highest part of the trail. So I was like, oh, I can come back. It's very close to me. So I can go back at any time and just finish it off or do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so something we're going to get into is like how the, the longer hike that you did on, on the PCT has changed your, you know, like your backpacking style. But do you think if you had um, planned, if you had set out to do the Sunshine Coast Trail before having hiked, you know, like 1500 miles on the PCT, do you think that you would have covered that much ground that quickly? Because that's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think I would have. Um, I don't think I would have even attempted it. Okay. Uh, yeah, like I would have attempted the trail, sorry, but I wouldn't, I would have tried to do it over like the 10 days. It's kind of like their average, like mm-hmm. recommended that it seems everyone takes. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to challenge myself or something this year. So I was like, you know what? I have nine days off. Let's see how fast I can do it. I didn't really have a plan. Yeah. Like, let's see how fast I can do it. And I felt really good the first and second day. So I did that like 30K each day. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe I can do 30K the next day. And I'm like, oh, well, I want to stay at Tin Hat. So I'll do like 22 or whatever it was. But I tell you that day from Inland Lake to Tin Hat was like, it was awful. I couldn't have done any more, even if I wanted to. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was because to leave Inland Lake to Confederation Lake is so 
steep and they actually have changed the trail. So I don't know if it's steeper now, but it is definitely a whole lot longer too. They've like just added a new part to that trail or whatever between inland and confederation. So, and then coming down off a tin hat was so like over, like, um, overgrown. And there was like a lot of like wind blown, like trees and stuff like that, that they hadn't quite got to yet to things down. But the trail maintenance though was great in the spots that they um, had gotten to that year. It was still quite early, right? We had a late winter, so it was still quite early, but I actually met the, um, the guy who wrote the sunshine trail book guidebook. Uh, Eagle. Eagle. Yes. I saw him on the trail trail too. Crazy. Yeah. He was doing trail maintenance. I actually had no idea who he was. (laughs) And he's like, I'm Eagle. And he's like, can I take your picture? Like I kind of run the Facebook page and stuff. And I was like, sure. He's like, I love meeting the hikers. And like I chatted with him for a while and he was like, can I just get some feedback on like the rest of the trail and where it needs like attention, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, there happened to be like a couple other girls that were in that stayed at Tin Hat the same night as me. And we had mm-hmm. met for lunch around the lake and they were like, yeah, that's equal. Like the guy who wrote the book. And I was like, Oh, I totally did not draw. The oh, that's so, that's so great. The same thing yeah. happened with me. Like I, I saw a man who I apparently was Eagle and he was with a, a woman who I assumed was his wife and they were walking some dogs and, and we said hi and, commented on how cute the dogs were and someone was like that was eagle waltz did you notice um yeah i wonder how many funny yeah that's that's so great all right well so so you as i sort of alluded to a minute ago you hiked more than half of the pct in 2020 um 1500 miles and so you mentioned that you had some backpacking some backpacking experience before your long ass section hike can you kind of set the scene for me going into the PCT? Like what was your pre PCT experience? So, okay. Um, before I started the PCT, the longest hike I'd ever been on was 75 kilometers. Okay. So that was the West coast trail. I did that in 2011, I believe with my mom took us four days or five days, four nights. And yeah, that was the longest hike I'd ever been on. And other than that, it had just been like a couple of two-nighters or an overnighter. But I've been hiking since about 2008, I think, is when I got my first backpack. I went on my first backpacking trip. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so I had... I had quite a bit of hiking experience, not so much with like the long distance thing. Like, and right. I went, I started the PCT solo as well. And I had never been in an overnight solo hike by myself. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I had been hiking w- by myself or with my dog usually, but never, I've never, I never actually had stayed in a tent without like buddies around me. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. so- so yeah, so like lots of I guess shorter like weekend backpacking trips, the West yeah. Coast Trail, and then counting on having company when you get to where you're <laughs> where you're staying. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Like yeah, like when I hiked, even as overnight hikes and stuff, I'd always when I go with a buddy, I usually hike all day with that buddy. I yeah. never have had the experience where, because on long distance hiking, a lot of times you meet people and you might camp with people or have lunch with people. 
but for the most part, you're usually hiking by yourself all day. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely a different thing to get used to because I'm totally used to like the community of hiking, <laughs> but it was really cool. Yeah. Okay. So going into the PCT, did you feel, what was your sense of, of, of how prepared you were from the experience that you had? Like, did you think that that prior experience made you pretty well prepared physically, psychologically? Uh, <laughs> I mean, going into it, not in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, at the time, I, I, I don't know. I kind of felt like I was, in fact, over my head. I had been working out a lot beforehand. So physically, I was like, I can do this. I just have to take my time because I'm actually a pretty slow hiker. Okay. I have a lot of endurance in me. Like I can yeah. hike for a really long time. Like I can hike for a long time without having to actually sit and take a break or I can hike, you know, from first light until dark sort of thing. But I'm actually pretty slow. I like to stop and take pictures. I like to look at all the cool flowers that I've like never seen before. Yeah. That's sort of like I'll, I will wait when I know there's a marmot hiding in the rocks. I will wait like a half an hour with my phone or my camera right there, ready to get like the perfect shot of him. Yeah. So, I, so I'm pretty slow, like in the scheme of things. So I wasn't afraid that like I wouldn't be able to do it physically I was just afraid that I would like eventually not be able to like make my miles because I would be mm. going so slow especially like on the uphills I like to just take my time because I get really short of breath and stuff yeah. like that but um I mean definitely it was hard there was a lot of like physically challenging and demanding things on the hike but I think all in all I was in okay shape to start so that part that part, I think I went in like, I think I feel like I'm in good shape and I, yeah. I was in good shape. So, okay. but, but the mental thing is a little different. I was very afraid of not having any, anyone to talk to and Aww. being like, just like being alone in my thoughts for so long. I was like, yeah. I'm going to get in my tent and be like, I haven't talked to anyone today. And what am I doing out here? <laughs> but I met friends very quickly and because of what happened in 2020 with the whole pandemic and everything, yeah. we ended up deciding that we were going to stick together right from the get go. So yeah. I wasn't, I was bit hardly ever alone. Like even okay. during the day when I was hiking, you would always like catch up to someone or they'd catch up to you or you'd have plans for lunch or coffee or, or you'd know where everyone was camping. So yeah. It feels like yeah. summer camp, but like just on the move. Like everyone's yeah. just like, yeah, a big bubble. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, you, we kind of had our own. I know that a lot of people think that there's like this big mental challenge when they're on their trail, and no doubt there definitely is. There are days that you want to quit. I didn't have a ton of days where I wanted to quit, but I did have a ton of days where I'm like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. Like, this is so hard, but yet it just feels so right being out here. And I mean, it's easy to like think that maybe you don't want to be there like when it's a really hard day. But at the end of the day, you're like, nope, I'm here. I'm, I'm still alive. I'm here. Yeah. I want to be here. I don't want to go home because the pandemic's happening at home. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, that's fair. And and so when we've talked about like your your hike, you've described yourself at the time as as like a super rookie hiker. So I'm curious to know, like, did you yeah, did you go into it knowing like I only this trail can prepare me for what this is like? Or was there actually a point <laughs> where you were like, oh, I'm not I'm not as 
prepared for this as I thought I was or something like that? Like, did you have like a humbling moment early on or was it all a pretty pragmatic approach from the start? Yeah, it's interesting because like, I didn't, not necessarily that I think I was like a rookie hiker, but definitely when it came to through hiking, I'm not right. a big gear, I'm not a big gear junkie. Like a lot of these through hikers are, I was definitely nowhere near an ultra light or even a lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like super proud of myself. Cause I was like, my backpack only weighs like 20 pounds without any food in it. But <laughs> that's a lot of weight. I was like, that is way better than when I went and hiked the West coast trail. My backpack was like 45 pounds, but, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but to me, I was like, this is my gear. I have been hiking with this gear for like 12 years basically it all works great I love it like so why would I buy new stuff just to save a pound here a pound there but I'm after hiking it I was like yeah like (laughs) there's a reason why people go ultralight on a long distance hike like this so slowly but surely I I did swap some things out for ultralight gear um but not all of it. Like my friends kind of made fun of me because I had a really big pot or because my tent was really big. <laughs> but I was like, but these are what I like. Like I like mm-hmm. having a big tent because I like having all my stuff inside of the tent with me. I don't want to leave it in the vestibule or um, like my pot. I liked it because when we did have these big communal dinners, we could make everybody a hot chocolate in one pot sort of mm, thing. Like, yeah. Um, and also, it was really helpful when hiker hunger came on and you're like, I need to eat everything. <laughs> How many packets of ramen can I fit in this pot? <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, something like that, right? So, um, I mean, eventually I got rid of my pot because I went and I cold soaked. But, oh, wow. Um, but yeah, so there were some things that I like swapped out and some things I didn't. So my gear was definitely like, it definitely made me feel like a rookie, like looking around and seeing all these other people who this was their first through hike and they had all these like technical sort of stuff. So I kind of like watched people that I was hanging out with and camping with. And I was like, Ooh, I like that. What do you like about that? Like, you know what I mean? So I kind of, yeah, I kind of took some like tips from other people, what they liked or didn't like, or just watch. And I was like, Ooh, I would not like that. Like I, I watched people setting up their duplex tents and it's very similar to how my tent was at the time. But I was like, I just don't like it. Like, I don't know why. I just, (laughs) I just really didn't like it. And I'm not sure why, because I've never had a duplex. I've never had an issue with, no one had an issue with theirs on trail. Maybe I just didn't like it because everyone else had them. I don't know. (laughs) I can, I feel that I have a lot of things that everyone else has as well, but then every now and then you just like arbitrarily pick something and you're like, that thing is too popular. I don't want it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, the tents, I, I don't know what my phone was with that tent, but, um, <laughs> but I did like get the same, my backpack broke while I was on the trail. So oh, I no. did end up getting the same backpack as one of my friends because it was convenient. I knew that I could get it shipped to me and he was about my size. So like the shape wise, I could tell if I was going to like it or not. So I just wore his backpack <laughs> for like at camp and I was like, Ooh, I, I like this. Like, and he was like adjusting it and everything. So yeah, I had a, few malfunctions your malfunctions on the trail but yeah like, would... oh, oh sorry no that's okay <laughs> I, I'm so curious to know like what your gear was like at the start compared to at the finish particularly because you are coming from this place of like already having 
backpacked and already having gear that you liked and that you, you know, like this works for me on a weekend trip or on a week long trip. Cause I think a lot of people would find them like could find themselves in that situation. In your case, like what, yeah. What, what did you decide to swap out? Yeah. So, um, first thing I swapped out was my backpack because it broke. Okay. <laughs> my, one of my load lifters busted, um, oh, while no. we were climbing Mount Baden Powell in what? like hip, like hip deep <gasps> snow, it just like snapped off. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So I was like sideways. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of my trail friends, Alphonse, he was like, do you have anything in your backpack that you could use to fix it? And luckily, I don't know why, but I have this thing where in my first aid kit, I always carry a couple of zap straps or zip ties. Oh, smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very handy. Um, so I was able to zip tie it. It wasn't ideal, but it was way better than <laughs> the alternative of having like one loose load lifter that's just flailing everywhere <laughs> while you're trying to like climb a mountain in like waist deep snow. Yeah. So um, that was pretty lucky that I had that. And actually later in the trail, we met this other guy, Cody, who became part of our trail family and mm-hmm. he busted his zero sandal and we fixed it with a zip tie. <laughs> so- oh, that's so great. Yeah, I'm so gonna have zip to have zip ties in my first aid kit. Yeah, man, have just a couple that you don't need a bunch, but have a couple in your first aid kit. Yeah. They have saved my life more times than ever. But okay. yeah. Um, what else I switch? So after the Sierras, I went, I switched to cold soaking. So I got rid of my stove and my pot and all that sort of stuff. And I just used like the Talante jar. Yep. And cold soak. Before the trail, I didn't know there was such thing as cold soaking. Like, I didn't know people do that. I yeah. just assumed everyone brought a stove. And I'm like, wait, what? I was like, but how do you drink your coffee? But then I realized iced coffee is so good. So, oh, yeah. Oh, it's great. <laughs> yeah. it's instant cold coffee in the middle of the day. Like, for the most part, you Refreshing. don't want hot coffee in the middle of the day, anyways. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like, anytime I wanted something hot, I'd just be like, can I trade you? I'll I'll carry the coffee if you will make me a hot <laughs> coffee every once in a while while we're in the snow. Like, yeah. Um, so your friends help you out if you ever are dying to have something hot. But um, yeah. And then I also got rid of my tent after the Sierras uh, and I switched over to like a bug bivy and an ultralight tarp. Cool. Um. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I didn't really have to set it up all that much. I did a whole lot of cowboy camping. Nice. Even after the Sierra. Yeah, Yeah. I loved cowboy camping. Um, I had never done it before. Didn't even really realize that it was a thing. Um, And then when we were in the desert, we had this like beautiful spot um, right before... Where was it? It was probably about mile like 400 or something like that. And I was like, this is the perfect spot. This is where I am going to cowboy camp tonight. And I got to this campsite and it had been rated like excellent on gut hooks for the beautiful sunset view and the desert was below us. And so um, when everyone got to camp, I was like, guys, I'm cowboy camping tonight. And they were like, oh my God, we were just talking about it. We want to do that too. So we all cowboy <laughs> camp for our first time. There, there were four of us. We took <laughs> yeah, so we all cowboy camp. <laughs> yeah. And I, I loved it. I cowboy camped every time I had a chance. Like there were even times when there's like snow all around, but there was no chance it was going to snow that night. I cowboy camped. Like it was awesome. It's something you don't, I mean, like, I don't know how bad the 
the bugs are you're in you're in BC, right? Like yeah, it's hard. You can't really cowboy camp in BC. No, in Ontario, <laughs> definitely not. Like even now, I think yeah. there are still mosquitoes. Yeah, I think that once I had gotten into like later Oregon or Washington, that I would have had to use that bug bivy that I had. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it's still like really freeing. Even if you're just like under a tarp in a bug bivy, it's still kind of like you can look out and see things. And- yeah. So, yeah, it's really cool. Um, and other than that, for gear, I started with Solomon Speedcross 4s. Mm-hmm. And I have been hiking in those shoes. Like, I started hiking in them when it was, like, the 2 and then the 3 and then the 4. Yeah. And I've been hiking in them for probably 6 or 7 years backpacking. I never had a problem. And for some reason, like, on the PCT, I just couldn't wear them. Hmm. By like a mile 100, my feet were wrecked. I had blisters everywhere. My toes were in so much pain. So I got rid of them and I got ultras. And yeah, yeah, I wore ultras for the rest of the trail. You probably, I imagine you probably had like that crazy toe splay going after, after a while and just needed like wider shoes, right? Like, yeah, I think it didn't help that actually when I started the trail, I had a broken toe. (gasps) Oh no. Yeah, I broke it like four days before starting. I broke it actually two days before I got on a plane (laughs) to go down there. So yeah, I think that was part of the problem. Um, I think maybe my foot was a little swollen from that and then they just caused problems. And But my toe recovered after I got the ultras and all of a sudden my friends were like, hey, you haven't talked about your toe hurting for a while. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it's, I guess it healed. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that worked out. And yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's so interesting to think that like gear that worked really well for you on, on shorter trips, just like didn't come through in the same way when, when you're hiking, you know, like 20 miles a day, day after day after day, it's just like a, yeah. a different activity, right? Like, yeah. And I guess like different terrain too. So, right. um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure why the shoes didn't work. So now I don't hike in Solomon's anymore, which is too bad because <laughs> I actually really liked them. But they lasted so long compared to the ultras. The ultras are yeah. crap. They fall apart really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I A lot of people really like Solomon's, but I find like, and I have some too. My feet are just like, they're like paddles though. They don't fit. They don't fit. They're just too, they're too narrow for me. Yeah. But uh, even without like walking 20 miles a day, day after day after day. Um, That's fair. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what are there, uh, what are some other ways that you um, adapted to this, this different style of, of like, of hiking that maybe you didn't expect to um, just in terms of either like how you managed taking breaks or, you know, like your sleep schedule or your hiking schedule or things like that. Like how did, how did hiking transform for you on the PCT compared to before? Yeah, it was, um, it was kind of cool because I started with two people that I had met in the hostel and we decided 
on the second night that we were going to basically be together until the end or <laughs> until we couldn't stand each other or something because yeah. <laughs> um, because everything shut down uh, because of COVID right. on like our second day on the trail. So our first day on the trail, the American Canada border closed <laughs> and our second day on the trail, there was a shelter in place in California. So we were like, oh, what do we do? Like, can we get on planes and go home? Like the, all the borders are closed. So we right. just decided that we were going to be together. So it was, and luckily they're like, I love them. They're still really good friends of mine. They came and visited me this summer, but luckily they are like the most easygoing people out there. And so we basically were just like, Hey, what are you guys thinking for tomorrow? Like, and the night before, like Alphonse and I would just kind of like look at the map and be like, well, this looks like a nice camp spot. Or do we think that we can make it mm. 20 miles tomorrow if the elevation gain is like this much or what have you? So there was a lot of teamwork, um, which is pretty cool because I'm so used to me being the person who knows more about the hikes when I go out with people. Um, usually I have people who are not as comfortable hiking or backpacking and they're just like, we'll just do what you do. And if we have to stop earlier, we can just stop earlier kind of right. thing. And so it was kind of cool to have like a bunch of like heads, like looking at the same information and like all deciding together what we could do. So we'd be like, I'd be like, I can do a 30 tomorrow. And Kit will be like, I can't do a 30 tomorrow. <laughs> so we'd like work <laughs> out based on that. And we'd be like, okay, well, what if we did like 25 and then we can make it to this beautiful lake and you can go swimming kit and she'll be like oh yeah I want to go swimming so <laughs> then we do that and then we kind of just like find a place where you know that looked nice we'd look at gut hooks all the time and we'd look through all the photos and all the like uh, comments and stuff and we would just <laughs> be like this looks like a really great place to have lunch because there's a swimming hole. We were all about the swimming. Like yeah. I didn't necessarily want to go swimming but I love like dipping my feet in the water and stuff so it helps um, and doing <laughs> And doing laundry. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it was, um, it was kind of cool just to like go with the flow and every night just kind of be like, okay, what are we going to do tomorrow? And really all we had to plan ahead of time is how many days in between our town stops we need. And then kind of within those days, we could kind of plan like, do we want to do 20 today and 30 tomorrow? Or we want to do two 25s or what have you. So, yeah. So I guess yeah, like kind of neat a lot of flexibility and, and not necessarily like, I feel like with shorter hikes, you do pretty much. Sometimes it feels like all of the planning from home first, especially if you have to make reservations and you have to like pay for in Ontario, you know, like provincial parks in Ontario, you almost always have to reserve in advance. You have to pay for parking. Like you have to, you know, you basically get your meals ready in advance. Like everything is pre prepped and then you just show up and follow your plan. But yeah, this is so that's the same as in BC, right? Like everything, like the Sunshine Coast is an anomaly. I don't understand yeah. why you don't need a permit for that trail. But the only thing you have to book is like your start date or your end date if you're going to start in the um, in the south. But yeah, other than that, you can kind of just go and then you just walk onto the ferry. Like when you're done or whatever, you can just go yeah. with the flow. You don't have to reserve anything. But um most of BC, like you said, in Ontario, you have to reserve nights and everything, even um, like that's why I really want to do the Great Divide Trail, but it just seems mm. so complicated. So oh, daunting. Yeah. With all the reservations. Yeah. And I was like, but what if like, I know I've been on the trail. I'm like, but what if I can't do 20 kilometers that day? <laughs> like, what if I can only do 10 or whatever? Yeah. Like what happens? So 
I, I don't know that the nice thing about the PCT is like, I was very concerned before going because I did think like, I don't have any plans and like where I'm going to stay. And I was like, there's no way you can make a plan of where you're going to stay all these like camp all this way. And so I was just like, okay, I'm just going to like estimate where I need to get resupplies. And Mm -hmm. so I know when it's coming up, like, oh, this is a town I can get a resupply in. So I had a little bit of a, like in my head, I had kind of done all California of where I wanted to like get a resupply if it was accessible because during COVID there was like roads that were even closed that you couldn't get up or down. Right, of course. uh, Yeah. And in the Sierras, because we entered so early, there was roads closed because of snow and stuff like that. So um, I kind of in my head had a little bit of an idea of where I wanted to resupply, which came in pretty handy because we did end up when we got stuck in towns because of snowstorms and stuff, we did end up like planning where we were going to go for a resupply and we would like ship boxes up right. so we could lower our impact in the towns because we didn't want to spend too much time in towns because of, you know, the shelter in place and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. And just to go on, uh, on a little bit of a tangent, like, did you, did you have a hard time kind of deciding whether to stay on the trail or not? Or like, did you face like blowback or anything like that from, from people who were like, Oh, why, you know, like you shouldn't be on the trail or anything like that. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of the blowback that we got from people that we shouldn't be on the trail was all on the internet. Oh, let me guess the Facebook, like PCT class of whatever 2020 Facebook group. (laughs) Yeah. Or even I didn't experience this because I didn't post a whole lot in the beginning of my trail, but a lot of people who were like, um, YouTubers and stuff who like were very public about Mm. their trip got a lot of um, scary messages like all over Instagram or Mm. on their YouTube channels or whatever. Um, I know Brian Without Borders. uh, I don't know if you've seen his stuff, but he um, I heard that he had actually gone home because of some of the comments that were left on his YouTube and stuff. And like I never did meet him. So I don't know if he was already thinking about going home and it just made him that made it that much easier. I'm not sure. But we had just heard through the grapevine that like some of these people were getting like pretty intense, like scary messages from people online. And, but we never experienced that at all. At least my group didn't experience that at all in a face-to-face setting. Everyone we met was like, we're so happy to see that people are still hiking the trail. Like this is the best thing you can be doing, like staying away from people and being in nature. Like, so the, and a lot of people from most people who were telling us this were like, nurses who are out on a day hike or people who are working in the medical field they were like no stay out here as long as you can yeah this is great (laughs) and then and even when I came home because I had to go to the hospital when I came home and it was still the middle of the pandemic like I had to quarantine when I got home and everything and even when I was in the hospital they were like that is the best place you could have been like it's too bad you couldn't have stayed there longer so we at first like felt pretty guilty for making the choice to stay there because At the time, right, it, it was two weeks. We were going to – this was going to be a lockdown for two weeks. And we're like, yeah. well, in two weeks, we're only going to go into town like two or three times. So like right. what, how much impact are we really making? And then also we were like, well, if we get on a plane, we have to go to, back to our countries. Then we all have to quarantine. Where are we going to live to quarantine? Like, yeah. If I go back if I go back to my mom's house, then I put three capable people out of work because they're all essential workers. Like, Yeah, you must have felt kind of stranded. 
Yeah. So that's why like a lot of people that when the PCA, PCTA sent out that email, we were actually at Lake Marina and we were yeah. sleeping. Oh, and wow. someone came around. Well, I don't know if we were sleeping when the actual email came out, but when we found out because someone got reception, um, someone who claimed to be a trail angel came around waking everybody up, telling us to get off the trail because the PCTA doesn't want us there anymore. And we're not allowed to be there. Whoa. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And I mean, it probably wasn't that late, but Hiker Midnight is nine o'clock. It's only a second day on trail. You're tired, right? So I was like, okay, what the heck? So I turned on my phone. I had service. So I went and checked my email, read the email. And then I called my mom and read the email to my mom. And I was like, what do I do? And she's like, just don't be the only person out there and call me and tell me what you're going to do. So I'm like, okay. So I hang up my phone. And then I hear Kit and Alphonse in the tent, like a little 10 feet away from me. And they're like, Jess, was that you talking to your mom? I'm like, yeah. They're like, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I'm not really sure like how I'm supposed to get home from the States when the borders are closed. They're like, yeah, that's what we were thinking too. We're willing to stay on the trail for as long as it's legal if you are. And I was like, okay, we'll talk about that in the morning. <laughs> so, I was like, so we had just kind of decided at that point that we were going to stick together because like if things started shutting down and we weren't able to get like f- like fuel or anything like that, that we could like kind of, we figured we could kind of like pool our resources and like right. survive longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. And then we were like, well, and if it, if they really say like, hey, you're not allowed to be on the trail anymore, then we'll just, we'll either go home or we'll just go f- find something else to do until things clear up. Like maybe, because at the time, like I said, we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Like it was, it was it a was two week thing. Yeah. So we were very cautious when we went into towns. Um, we would go in, kind of just get our resupply and leave um we weren't we didn't stick around very often in the beginning for very long in the beginning and then as we kind of were out there for longer and COVID kept being a real thing yeah we were like now we're not so concerned about getting like spreading this and getting other people sick in the towns now we're worried about catching it when we go in right right because we're like we've been out here for so long we're basically in our own quarantine bubble now we're afraid that when we go into the towns, we're going to catch it. So we just continually, like when we could, we ship things up until we got to about South Lake Tahoe. And then South Lake Tahoe was like fully wide open and all the bars were open and everything. Whoa. And we could just like go in. So it was when things were starting to relax again until yeah. there was like another little wave, I guess. I'm not really sure. But it was kind of interesting how all the towns were kind of dealing with it. And we had heard on the internet, like, this town doesn't want you there. So then we were like, okay, well, I guess we'll send a box to that town. And then we get there and then we find out it's like totally the opposite. Everyone's like, oh, wow. are you going to go stay at this guy's hostel? Or like, this is the best grocery store. And we're like, well, we just like shipped a box here and we're just going to get it. And leave yeah (laughs) so yeah so like it kind of changed no that's okay I was gonna say it just kind of changed like the town dynamic experience in the beginning but we did get to experience lots of like crazy town things like later on (laughs) when things settled down a bit so yeah no for sure yeah later that summer things kind of normalized a little um for 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 a while anyway until the fall um yeah okay well okay so I mean I'm sure (laughs) pandemic aside um 
you I think the pandemic though helped us like when it came to the mental thing about like I want to go home this sucks it was like well I can't go home so I'm just gonna suck it up and be out here right like home is gonna be so much worse than this yeah so honestly like when people are like it's a huge mental game it's a huge mental game I was like thinking back on it about the mental struggle and I was like I think the biggest mental struggle I had was like do I have to wake up and hike can't I sleep in like you know I mean and while you're hiking when things are really hard or really scary then I'd have like a little bit of a breakdown but by the end of the day it was fine and I was ready to do it again tomorrow but it's such a cliche but like the worst day on the trail is better than the best day at the office or whatever oh um, 100%. <laughs> I remind myself of that when I'm like, I'm so lonely because I've been backpacking by myself for days or whatever. This is still better than oh, totally. when I'm at home daydreaming about it. And I miss it. I think the biggest mental game was coming home and just like, because I couldn't finish. So I came home Yeah. and I'm watching all these people I met on the trail start finishing. And now I'm like, it's two years later and I still like obviously haven't finished. And I'm like, this is just so sad. <laughs> I wish I was I, like, it, I had like, I r- had really hard, like post-trail depression, I guess they call it. I'm just going to call it FOMO, but like I, yeah. I've been pretty much since the trail. I'm like, how do I get paid to just go and do long distance hikes Yeah, for well, the past was- year? Well, you've been you've you've uh, entered the blogging game now, so that's like yeah. that's a that's a that's a step in the right yeah, direction. Yeah, I yeah I think that um I really like writing, so I actually wrote a book about the PCT, my experience oh. on it, and what happened to me. But I haven't; it's not published yet. I okay. just finished writing it. I'm just looking for someone to edit it now. But is it like memoir style? Yeah, it basically just like. Yeah, it takes you through like my journey on the PCT and a little bit of like the beforehand and then kind of like how the world just like collapsed. And I was like, uh, I actually left a week early to go do the PCT because I wasn't sure what was going to happen with the border. And thank God I did. (laughs) So, yeah, it was a little bit of like crazy beginning. And then it kind of um, unfortunately I had to come home because I got injured on the trail and I needed yeah. to be hospitalized, even though I didn't know I needed to be hospitalized, but yeah, you, you yeah, were so, sick, right. But you didn't realize how, how sick you were. Yeah. I had a lot of pain in my shoulder and I thought that I had just, cause I have like an old injury in my opposite shoulder. So I thought maybe I was just like overcompensating and it was like really like starting to bugger up and, Um, then I just got like slower and slower and I got behind my group and I was like throwing up and I couldn't keep food down and I was getting really weak. And then my group, I hadn't seen them in a couple of days and I messaged them when I got reception. Every time I got reception, I'd like message them like, I'm going to camp here. Like, cause I knew where they would be camping for the next couple of days. And we had plans going to South Lake Tahoe and Finally, the day before they were getting into South Lake Tahoe, I was like, I, I have to go home. Like, I have to get off the trail right now. So I didn't tell them I had to go home, but I just told them, like, I'm going to get a ride to South Lake Tahoe from wherever the next, like, you know, exit from the trail is. And yeah. I met this couple who were doing, like, a little week-long section hike, and they were getting off the next day. So they were like, well, if you keep going, like – um, our car is parked here. This is what, it, this is like the make and model. Like you can meet us there in the morning if you want to, but it ended up that we camped together at a campsite. So okay. I just kind of like hiked, hiked out with them the next day and they drove me to South Lake Tahoe to meet my friends. And then I 
called my mom crying and <laughs> got her to book me a figure out how to get a flight home in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> oh my God. So you, so you didn't even, um, bother with like a, a hospital or urgent care in South Lake Tahoe. You just like no. sucked it up till you got home. <laughs> yeah. Oh I, my God. I was like, I, I was like, I know this is not something that if I walk into a clinic that they're going to be able to like fix or diagnose, I need yeah. scans of some sort. Yeah. And there was no way, like the hospitals were so overwhelmed in yeah. California um, during COVID. And I was also like, I had health insurance, obviously, but I was nervous about going into a hospital in the States uh, for something I had no idea what was wrong with me or what That's recovery fair. would be like. Cause I actually thought it was an injury. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was an injury. And then I was like, are they going to like make me put like a $10,000 down payment on my credit card to go into the hospital? Like I had no idea. I'm like, I barely yeah. have any money left on my credit card because I've been hiking for how long. And so I was just like, I'm just going to go home and get like the hospital system in Canada to figure it out. And I, they did. I had great doctors and they got me better. So that was good. And I did have to be hospitalized for like eight days. So oh my God, can I <laughs> yeah. ask like what, what happened? Like what causes like shoulder pain, but also vomiting and then puts you into the hospital for eight days? Like I had an infection. So I, okay. So this comes up, this brings up another one of your questions that you have okay. with your very last one. What is my trail name? Yes. And, or how did I, how did I get my trail name? Yes. So my trail name is Frosty. Um, and, um, just before Kennedy Meadows North, I can't remember the name of the pass, but we all decided it would be so fun to exit the Sierras while glissading down the mountain. Oh, great. So yeah. Just slide yeah. right out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we there was so much snow. We had been glissading like the whole time. I picked and choose when I was glissading because I was like, I'm not going to do it in shorts because that hurts. I'm mm -hmm. going to do it only on days I'm wearing leggings. Um, and of course, this last day in this year is it's so hot outside, but there's so much snow and I'm wearing shorts. They're like, well, everyone else is doing it in shorts. I'll do it in shorts. <laughs> I'll just suck it up for this one time. I ripped all of the skin off of my ass cheeks. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. So all this skin, I have this road rash on both my ass cheeks oh. that is so bad. It took like two weeks to heal. And even then one of my cheeks healed. The other one took forever. Pretty sure they got a little infected. And then right after that all healed up, that's when I started feeling this pain in my shoulder. So <sighs> The thought is that I got an infection because it was just a staph infection that they found in my shoulder. So the thought is that dirt got in there. And because it was so – my butt was infected. <laughs> so you got so like gross. blood poisoning or something that just like traveled to your shoulder? So it traveled through and created an abscess. Right. So it didn't – luckily it didn't get into my blood, but it created this abscess. And they were like – at the hospital, the doctor, the doctor of infectious diseases was like – you are the healthiest, sickest person I have ever met in my entire life. He's like, I have, because no, I had to come home. So I had this huge like hump on my shoulder. So I thought I had like dislocated my shoulder blade. I'm like, I yeah. don't even know how you can do that. So <laughs> I come home. They're like, we don't care that you're sick. You have to quarantine. You're not allowed to go to the hospital. So I'm like, okay. So I had to quarantine in a trailer in the front of my mom's house Whoa. because- if I went in the house, they all at the time, they would all have to quarantine with me. So I quarantined in my little trailer um, for two weeks. I had like uh, 
I had a doctor's appointment through Zoom or whatever. She looked, she was like, yeah, unfortunately for an injury, like it's not like high priority. It's not, yeah, high priority. It's not enough for you to break quarantine to go to the hospital. You can't do that. So I was like, okay, because like I didn't have a fever or anything. So I was like, okay. Um, so I was in pain for two weeks. The day I got out of the hospital, I hadn't had a they hadn't set me up an appointment for an ultrasound. Sorry, the day I got out of quarantine, mm-hmm. they hadn't yet set me up with an ultrasound appointment. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to the emergency. So I went to the emergency. They did an x-ray. The, the, the emergency doctor was like, your shoulder blade is winged out so much, but I cannot figure out why. He's like, I have no idea why. He's like, so I'm going to set you up with an orthopedic surgeon. So another week goes by. I now have an appointment with the orthopedic surgeon. I'm like chatting with her. She's like, hey, this is like weird. It could be this. It could be this. It could be this. She's like, but all those things are like very rare and weird. Like, so she starts asking me all these other questions. And then I'm like, well, I actually have been waking up with night sweats, which is like super weird for me because I'm always freezing cold. Yeah. So she's like, okay. She's like, well, that's a fever-ish symptom. She's like, so we're going to send you for blood work. So she sends me for blood work. She calls me back later that night. She's like, Kate, you have to go in for a COVID test tomorrow. She's like, just because it's brand new thing and we don't know what it can cause. So go in and let's rule that out. She's like, and then you're coming in here at 10 o'clock for a CT scan. And I was like, okay. Like I had plans to like now we're go going. to my cabin. Right. Yeah. I like, had plans to like go to my cabin that weekend because I can't do anything anyways. And I'm like, okay, like this is, she's like, you have to come in now. She's like, your blood work is off the charts. Like my, um, my white blood cell count was double. So it was like yeah. 11. It should be like five or something. And my CRP and C-reactive proteins were 185 and they should be about five. Right. So, so clearly your body is fighting something and has been for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, so they do the CT scan and then they send me to this doctor of infectious diseases. He asked me like 800 million questions. Um, but he was a hiker too. So he was like really excited that I just got, came back from the PCT, but he's like, <laughs> Were there ticks? Were you drinking out of like swamps or puddles? And I was like, well, yeah, but it was filtered. <laughs> like, I don't know. So anyways, it ends up I just had a basic staph infection that created this like massive abscess. So he's like, you've probably been living with this for about six weeks. Oh, God. Um, they drained 1.2 liters of fluid <gasps> from my body. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mostly from that abscess behind your shoulder blade? All from the abscess. Yep. Oh my God. Did you, is your shoulder blade messed up? Like, did you need physio to like get that back to where it should be or? No. So, so I did, I did need physio, but, um, they told me that, uh, because I have my personal training certificate, my yoga teaching certificate. So they told me if I didn't want to go to physio, that if I just went back and did my like routine at the gym and just slowly worked up to it, that it should be fine Yeah. because things were just like stretched out, but nothing was damaged. Right. Right. They're like, it'll just be weak because you haven't been using it. Some things might be a little like stretched out or whatever, but, and it, it seemed to get better pretty quickly after I got healthy, but yeah, I was in the hospital for like eight days and then I had to have a pick line in my arm to administer antibiotics to me 24 hours a day for another like 30 days after I got out of the hospital. Jesus. Yeah. So it was. It was fun. But so going back, um, my name, my trail name is Frosty because they gave me that name because I ripped all the skin off my bum in the snow. So they wanted to call me Frosty. Well, Cody wanted to call me Hot Cheeks. Um, and I was like, no, 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 no. There's already a Hot Cheeks on trail. And she yeah. was 
she was kind of a disaster and I didn't want anyone. She had already been rescued off the trail twice. And I was like, oh I don't God. want anyone to like think that I'm her. Yeah. So <laughs> I want people to feel confident hiking with me. I don't want, me. I don't want them scared. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, you can't call me that. And he was like, well, what about Frosty Buns? I was like, I'm not going to tell like Adam's kids that my name is Frosty Buns. He's like, fine, Frosty. And I was like, done. He's like, I'm calling me Frosty Buns though. So I was like, okay. <laughs> but, frosty, yeah. short for Frosty Buns. Frosty Buns is your full name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's the trail name. And that is how I got it. Because so don't glissade in shorts, even if everyone else is doing it. No one else got injured, but I did. So. So you've, you've, you survived the PCT, you've got your new name, you've got, um, I mean, this was a couple of years ago now, but you've got, yeah. you know, the gear that you swapped out. Um, what are some new habits or, or, or styles of like hiking or backpacking that you've adopted now? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Cause like my pack's a whole lot lighter now. Okay. Um, even though I've, like I switched some things out on the PCT. I still ended with like it being significantly heavier than a lot of other people's. But um, like since I've been home, I got a new tent. So I no longer have my two person backpacking tents. I now have a Gossamer Gear, the one. Oh, me too. I love (laughs) that tent. Yeah, me too. I've only used it on the Sunshine Coast and the East Coast route, but it held up for both sides of the country. So I'm sure it's great. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So in comparison, my base weight on the PCT was around 20 pounds. My base weight is down to 15 pounds for the East Coast Trail. Wow. Nice. That's Yeah. So I got about five pounds off. And then my sleeping bag, because it's very old, it's pretty heavy. So I think that'll take another pound off when Mm -hmm. I upgrade that. So so I'm not like ultra light, but I'm getting there. Okay. Okay. So, so gear, gear changes are shifting or gear changes are happening. What about like the way you pace yourself or, or, um, the way you break up the day or whatever, has that been consistent throughout, like since before the PCT through the PCT and after? I kind of just go by the day, like, and just kind of, I wake up in the morning, see how I'm feeling. Um, like the day that I had heat stroke on the East coast trail, I stopped like every I stopped whenever I needed to. I was just like, okay, I can't go anymore. I stopped. So I probably stopped every kilometer (laughs) for that whole day, um, which was totally fine. And then some days I would hike like 12 kilometers and be like, oh, shoot, like maybe I should like actually sit down for a moment and like let my feet breathe or something. So it kind of, I just judge it based on like how I'm feeling or um, if there's a town nearby, then I kind of like base it on that. Like, do I want to stop in town? just to get resupply or do I want to like have lunch and an actual break there? Um, like there was one day where the heat was so bad that I actually stopped and like hung out in a town for like four hours just to, and just did touristy stuff just so I could go back hiking in the evening when it was wow. like going to be cooler. On the East Coast Trail? Um, yeah. Yeah. On the East Coast Trail. Brutal. But yeah, so when I hike by myself, I kind of just like – I just do what – 
feels right that day. I don't really have a set plan, but I really loved what we did on the PCT. I just find it kind of boring when I'm doing that by myself to be like, okay, I'm going to stop here and have a coffee break and stop (laughs) here and have a lunch break. I'm like, no, I'll stop when I need to. to (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so I just find that part kind of boring when I'm by myself. I'm just like, in my head with my own thoughts, like walking and snacking. And then I stop for pictures or to watch like the whales or whatever. But yeah. Um, um, I'm curious to know, are there, are there like luxury? Okay. So do you still cold soak or was that a PCT thing? I cold soaked on the East coast trail, which I'm so happy. I decided to do that because yeah, it was you, so hot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, I'm so happy. I do not. I'm like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be heating anything up because it was just too hot anyways. I so. it was blasphemous. Um, yeah, but on the Sunshine Coast Trail there was still snow, so I definitely brought my stove. So it's kind yeah. of a depends on the weather. Right. I would honestly rather just like eat snacks all day and then have like a wrap for dinner. That's just me. Mm-hmm. But um, on this on the Sunshine Coast it was really nice to like get up to Tin Hat and you had been like walking through snow and just to like have a ramen meal or yeah whatever so that was so cozy all right so yeah so um (laughs) having again like I'm just so interested in this perspective you have of like being a casual backpacker before doing something like this because yeah there's there's a good mix of like people who are like that but also people who just kind of throw themselves into long distance hiking and you know like there's this sort of like trope or philosophy or whatever with like in professional settings that like if you if you come into something with no experience um you have a disadvantage but then you also have an advantage because like you're not comparing your new experience to like previous experiences and if you come into something with some experience you have the advantage but then also the disadvantage of like you know like being tainted by past experiences so because you have this like you're in this like you you know this position of of um having started a long distance hike with with a bit of experience already or like with a decent amount of experience already though not the same kind like what are your biggest pieces of advice for people who are looking to go from like being casual backpackers to, to like getting into long distance hiking? Cause they're yeah, like similar, so think, but different. <laughs> yeah, they are similar, but they are so different. Like I, so I think like my disadvantage going into the PCT was the fact that like, I know snow travel and I know snow danger and it freaked me out because we were in the Sierras very early in the season and there weren't a whole lot of people ahead of us. And like we entered a whole month before like the Sierra entrance date, which is like, I think June 10th or something like that. Um, We were in there like May 11th. (laughs) Yeah. So, and for me, I hate, like I, I have, hiked in snow a lot and I hate it and I know I hate it and I know like I know that post holing you can really hurt your feet like you can there could be anything below you and you actually don't know so you could like get your ankle between two rocks you could like jam your shin with a like really sharp branch you could do all this stuff you could fall right through a cave like so for me I think that was like my downfall um for like trying to compare them but then also too it didn't seem so like in the beginning, it didn't actually seem as hard to me mm. because I'm so used to 
like summiting a mountain in a day. Whereas the PCT is this like gradual like incline. It looks yeah. like you know, you look at the incline and you're like, oh my God, that looks like so much. But then you have to remember it's over like 14 miles. Of, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's tons of like steep sections and stuff, but yeah. I kind of thought it would be more like the Sunshine Coast Trail where it's oh. like straight up a mountain, down, straight up a mountain, down, straight up a mountain, down. And then when I came home and the first like backpacking trip I did was the Sunshine Coast Trail, I was like, wow like you it's so easy on the pct because yeah. now i'm in my head thinking like that it's gonna i'm like oh sunshine coast trail that's fine i like climbed mount whitney but no it's like <laughs> you're going up and down and up and down it's steep it's hard so there's like there's pros and cons so it depends on what your background is right like some people maybe they go out on the pct and that is their backpacking experience like they go out for one night or two nights. So they kind of have an idea right. of like what those like areas are going to be like. Right. So it might not be as much of a, a learning curve for right. them. Like right. they not have to like disassociate so much, but I mean, I think that you could like, as a person who's never backpacked before, you could easily, not easily, sorry, but you could go out there and you could do it. You just have to remember to like leave your expectations behind, whether you've done right. a million backpacks, or if you've never done a backpacking trip. It's like if you've, I've like done 1500 miles of the PCT. When I go back to the PCT, I need to remember to leave all my expectations at home because it is not going to be like a pandemic year. There's going to be a lot of other people on the trail. It won't be as quiet. I won't, I won't be with the same people. So it's going to be a totally different experience. It's going to be totally different in terms of like weather and whether or not I'm going through the Sierras, I might have more snow or I might have less snow. So I think that if I could give anyone advice going in, whatever your experience is, not back, like never been on a backpacking trip or been on a million backpacking trips is just forget about your expectations. The trail is going to, the basically you're going to go out there and the trail is going to provide for you or it's going to make fun of you. Um, <laughs> and you will experience both of that <laughs> while you're on there. And <laughs> no, so, I, but I think- yeah. That is the hardest thing, right? Is that you have these expectations and to remember just the, they don't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's such a, that's such a great piece of advice. And it just kind of encapsulates like everything that we've been talking about, like with gear, you know, like you think like, oh, I, I know that this has worked well for me. So I expect it's going to work well on the PCT too, yeah. or just like, yeah, comparing experiences or, um, yeah, expecting something to be worse than it is or better than it is just like. Yeah, just I guess be as prepared as you can, but like don't Yeah. Don't bog yourself down with expectations. Yeah. I mean, like there's certain things that you're going to have to know no matter who you are on the trail. Like you have yeah. to know where you need a bear can, right? Yeah. Like it's legal to hike through the Sierras without a bear can. And yeah. there's actually another place. Well, and through um Lassen National Park, you have to have a bear can. But luckily that was such a short stint that we could do it all in one day. So we didn't actually need a bear can. But there's another addition. I can't remember where, but they just added this year. Yeah. They added it this year. But anyways, you have to, it might be in Washington somewhere. Um, so like those are things that you're going to have to know, but you don't have to be an expert to go out and hike the trail. I mm -hmm. wasn't. I learned from the people around me. I learned what worked for me and what didn't. Like being an ultra light hiker, like some of those people who have a base weight of like eight pounds. Like that's just not me. I don't think it will ever be me. I, I like to have a pillow. I like to have three pairs of socks. A lot of people only have one or two. I like to have one I sleep in and two I hike in. Like yeah. It's just, 
it's just how I work. So I think that just going out and doing it is the only way that people are going to learn. And like I said, whether you have backpacked a million times, you're going to find something that doesn't work for you on the PCT or something that you like better, right? Yeah. Because there's so many people from all like corners of the earth that are there. So you're learning so much. Mm. Um, like you're watching, like you're watching what other people do. You're, you're like, oh man, I never even thought to bring the, that like hiking, like that sort of meal or, um, Elfon showed us this really cool trick where he, um, we were at Walmart and he bought one of those like squeezy packs of like, I don't know, for babies, like the like baby, baby food, food. Yeah. yeah like, like, app, like applesauce and stuff like that, that are in the squeezy packs and he ate it and washed it out and then poured olive oil in it. So Whoa. that was our olive oil. I do that Smart. every time I go backpacking now. So genius, wow. reusable. So then we just... So we all did it. And then every time we got to town, we'd all just buy a big thing of olive oil and split it between everybody. Yes. Like so smart. And like, so we, there, there's like things that other people do. You're like, yes. And like, I was doing that. And Shepard, this other guy who was part of our trail family, wasn't with us when Elfon showed us this. And he was like, oh my God, that's an amazing idea. So he told someone else and now he does that. So it's, you you get really innovative when you're just like replacing things with zap straps, right? So yeah. fix them. So um, but yeah, like you can go out there with hardly any experience and you can learn so much from people. And you'll yeah, you'll learn what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Other people will learn from you as well, even if you are new, they're gonna still learn things. Yeah. So that's cool. And you have time. Yeah. It's the cool thing I think is like you actually have time to apply these things because you're out there for months so you know you don't have to figure it yeah. out right away um yeah that's a that's I a mean, great message I mean it's like life too like you figure that stuff out when you're at home you just it's in a different more comfortable atmosphere right yeah so yeah. and I mean all you need is the things to survive on when you're on the trail and as long as you're gonna stay like dry and you know dry and alive yeah you have to be well fed well hydrated and dry and you'll be fine not not yeah. hyperthermic not hypothermic just like perfectly thermic yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well um to 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 round off our list of questions I didn't send these to you in advance because um that would spoil the fun okay but okay what is what is one food that you would never ever eat on trail even if it was right in front of you and and you were like really hungry like what's one thing that nobody could make you eat on the on trail oh well that's pretty easy because I don't eat meat so oh okay so that's like really easy um I mean other than that bananas I'm allergic to bananas and uh, like it's amazing how many people actually will hike out a banana I mean I'll hike out an apple or an avocado too so there's no but yeah. That is bruised though. And they get like really mushy. <laughs> but it, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But I mean, our group, I don't think had any bananas, but like I have seen people on hiking trips that are like sitting there munching a banana. And I was like, how did you get that here? Yeah. Like I'm terrified about my avocados, but like avocados fit so nicely in a Talante jar. So if you're cold soaking, you can just like 
or you can put it in your outside little meshy in the Talanti jar. Yeah. And it just sits there. They're a bit tougher. Like, it doesn't get smooshed. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so anyways. <laughs> um, what is a trail food you think you could never get sick of? Ooh. Um, that's a really good question. I don't know. I've gotten sick of a lot of trail foods. Like I, it took me six months to eat any kind of nut butter ever again when I came home from the PCT. I'm already sick of <laughs> nut butter. <laughs> I don't know. I never thought I could get sick of peanut butter or almond butter. And I, well, there was a point in the PCT, I just gave away my nut butter because I was like, I can't do this anymore. Can't do this. But um, probably, I'm going to say just chips in general. Mm. Like I could eat, I could eat chips all day, every day. I love potatoes. Yeah, I can't imagine getting sick of potato chips. <laughs> yeah, I just I always so on the PCT I got like to this routine where I would get um, a whole bunch of like sweet snacks, so like chocolates and candies and stuff like that, and then a whole bunch of savory snacks, and then I'd mix them in like a one gallon bag. So nice. so I mix all my sweet, sorry, all my sweet stuff in a one gallon bag, and all okay. my savory stuff in a one gallon bag. So your savory stuff would have like two different types of chips, maybe like some pretzels and some goldfish crackers, and then like that would be like my snack. So it'd be like this nice mix, and then the. Uh, my sweet stuff changed all the time because I'm very picky when it comes to my sweet stuff, but. <laughs> Um, the savory bag was pretty much like the same every time, like chips, pretzels, and goldfish crackers. Oh, yeah. I love goldfish crackers yeah. when I'm hiking. Pizza goldfish. And like, do you do you know what like the Melba toast is? Like those yeah, little yeah. like crunchy. Yeah, yeah. They have like these little ones in the states that you can get, and I would mm. put those in there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Are also they flavored pretzels? Which Ooh. I really like. Are they the Snyder's yeah. ones? The really chunky ones. Yeah. I love yeah. those. Those are so Me good. Me too. Ugh, I'm glad that you can get them in the States. <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing too about like the States was, okay, because at home, like I'm very picky when it comes to like my snacks and my sweet stuff and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But in the States, there's just so many different things. You're like, well, I don't know if I like this or not. Like there's 25 different flavors of M&Ms. Yeah. And we tried every single one of them. <laughs> I'm not kidding every time we found a new flavor we would get like a family pack and split them or something like we uh, m&ms were a staple that could actually be something that i would never get sick of either is m&ms because you can switch them up yeah there's so much variety there's a ton of different kinds cookie in the states there's a million different kinds i can only think of like five but uh well walmart has a great selection in the states so when you're down there and you get to a walmart they have a ton of different m&ms they have the best selection okay the crispy ones are really good what what makes them crispy i don't know like in the center they have like little like rice crisps or something like like wafer or something yeah they're just very light and they're just Mm. like milk chocolate on the outside and like a little rice crisp on the inside delicious they're really good yeah the the coffee ones are pretty good too they have like Mm. coffee bean ones oh my god okay all right last question what (laughs) is the worst activity somebody could surprise you with on your birthday (laughs) (laughs) um oh to watch a curling tournament (laughs) Ooh, fun at home (laughs) anywhere Anywhere? i hate i hate curling it is like housekeeping on ice like i don't know why no offense to any curlers out there my brother used to curl when we were younger i just cannot 
I can't stand it. I mean, I'm sure there's like a, I don't know why I thought of curling. We were just talking about it the other day. Maybe that's why, but yeah, there's a lot of things that probably would be the worst. Well, actually last year, not last year, 2020, the worst activity um, on my birthday actually happened. I was in the hospital with tubes in my Oh, shoulder. right. Okay, perfect. So you've already done yeah. it. Surprise. That was pretty bad. We had, a, we had a mini tailgate in the parking lot though that year. That's, a, that's adorable. That's so funny. My mom. My mom and her friend brought presents, cupcakes, and a beer, and I was allowed to go for a walk outside. So the doctor was like, yeah, go for a walk. It's your birthday. So I went outside and sat in the parking lot and had cupcakes, birthday presents, and beer. But then I spiked a fever that night, so probably it wasn't a good (laughs) idea to have that beer. Were were you, like, dragging your your IV bag, your pick line or whatever, out into the parking lot with you? Oh, yeah. My little, my like vacuum chamber that was like sucking all of the sludge out of my back. Yeah, oh. that was attached to me. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, with my IV bag. It was great. Classic yeah, tailgate party trick. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the hospital parking lot. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty cute. <laughs> well, this has been so fun. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. You made me laugh a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. 